Suspect listeners, welcome back for another week, another case, another week of mediocre therapy. Whatever you come here for, I promise we will have it all again on today's episode. I do want to apologize for the delay in getting this episode out. I was not feeling well last week, as well as there was some events going on in the world, my state, that just kind of took priority with my attention. So again, I am sorry. I'm hoping to get maybe two episodes out this week to try and make up for the one I missed last week. So please stay tuned for that. I did tell you guys in the last episode that we were going to be talking about Sam Little this week, but because of, you know, everything that's happened within the last week, I did not have enough time to finish my case notes on Sam Little, and because that is such an extensive case, I want to make sure that I have all those details and all the correct details for you guys, so we're just going to hold off on that another week until I'm able to get all of that information for you. So this week we're going to do a different case that I already took notes on a couple months ago and just kind of had stashed away for weeks like this one. So it still is a good case. I do think that you guys will still enjoy it. It's still kind of crazy. It is a case that a lot of you maybe have not heard of and a lot of you who have been listening to true crime podcasts or watching forensic files for a while have probably heard of. I did hear about it before I took notes on it. I just wasn't as familiar with it until I dug into it, I guess is the best way to put it. But yeah, it's a great case. We are going to get into that in just a few minutes. But before we do jump into the Rose Petal murder, there are a few things that, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, that happened um, within the last week in our country and in a few different states that I just feel are super crucial to talk about, especially with having the platform that I do with the crime podcast. And I know a lot of you come here looking for my opinion on things. And yeah, I don't know. This is um, a lot of heavy stuff happened, obviously, within the last week. If any of you have been paying attention to the news or have been on social media, it's been all over social media. So let's just go ahead and talk about it I guess okay so we had two shootings that happened literally within the week of each other not even a week it was six days to be exact so going back to March 16th of this year I'm sure most of you heard about the Atlanta spa shootings (sighs) I don't even know like where to begin on this I took notes on this but I'm just like so flabbergasted and obviously just like so hurt for these victims and their families that this fucking sicko I don't even know so we're gonna go ahead and just talk about the few notes that I took on that I did um get the I did get all of this information from wsj.com Atlanta there's a really good article just telling you detail for detail basically what happened I just took a few pinpoints that I want to talk about you guys can definitely go check out that article if you want to see all the details it is a great very well written article but for the time being I just want to cover you know Um, the most important things that I felt like needed to be talked about. So like I mentioned, on March 16th is when this occurred um, in Atlanta. 21-year-old Robert Long took nine lives. Most of those were Asian women. 
The attacks took place at three different massage parlors in Atlanta, Georgia, and they all happened around 2.30 p.m. They have security footage of Mr. Long just sitting in his SUV for an hour before he decides to basically get out and commit this act of terror. And I'm sure a lot of you have seen... um, I'm sure a lot of you have seen some of the police footage of this and some of, you know, the press conferences that they've held talking about Mr. Robert Long, just talking about the case. And the thing that I literally cannot just get past is their justification for this or his justification for this was that he was addicted to visiting these spas for sex. And I just can't like, I'm, did you guys see the police video of the police literally saying he was like, oh, well, he just had a bad day. Sir, excuse me, what? What? Because on my bad days, I go to Dollar General and I spend like $50 on random shit I don't need. I don't go fucking shoot up nine people just because I had a fucking bad day. Like, oh my god, the justification for this was just literally bizarre and completely fucking blew my mind. Um, And the fact that they haven't labeled this as a hate crime completely blows my mind. And I actually have a couple interesting facts for you guys. Um... Because I'm sure a lot of you know, or most of you listening should know, that a lot of the laws that we have are different in every single state. They all have definitions, different definitions as to what breaking that law looks like, and that is included in the hate crime law. So Georgia actually didn't have any hate crime laws signed in to their law until June 2020, so right after the whole George Floyd, the Black Lives Matter protest, all of that is when Georgia finally decided to sign any kind of hate crime laws into their law. And then also I found on, this is on the Georgia website, so you guys can go literally go look this up, go look up all their laws, but it will tell you that in 2004, They tried to pass a hate crime law, and Georgia Supreme Court rejected it completely. They did not pay it any kind of attention. So just ironic that they all of a sudden decided to sign this into their law in June of 2020, but still, even now in March of 2021, something that is specifically a hate crime, a hate crime literally by definition is not being registered as that, or he's not going to be convicted for that at all. So let me give you guys the definition for a hate crime, just for those of you that don't know. This is the definition, word for word, for a hate crime in Georgia. A Georgia hate crime law that was signed into law June 2020 imposes additional criminal sentencing guidelines on anyone who commits a hate crime intentionally based on a race, sex, sexual orientation, color, religion, natural origin, mental disability or physical disability so this dude specifically showed up to these spas knowing the people that worked there specifically killed asian women but this is not the the first word in this definition is race he specifically targeted a specific group of people so yeah i guess that's just my synopsis on that i don't really know how this hasn't been labeled as a hate crime yet considering he's specifically targeted the asian community but you know hopefully georgia will fucking figure that out especially considering that they just signed this into their fucking law in june of 2020 there's no reason they shouldn't have this fucking down by now um also i want to say that this was completely premeditated like the dude sat in his car for a fucking hour beforehand before he just decided to get out and start doing this so 
anything that's premeditated automatically equals intent. So he had intent from the second he fucking pulled up there, from the second he got in his car to go head there. So I I don't know. I everybody spam Georgia <laughs> everybody spam Georgia's legislators and tell them to I don't fucking know. That is so sad. So I just wanna of course mention the victims that passed away. And I will probably not say these names correctly, so please don't come at me for saying them incorrectly. I definitely just want to make sure that they're at least mentioned since they, you know, tragically lost their lives. And just want everybody to be thinking of them and their families and especially, you know, the Asian community at this time. So we had Delania Yan, 53 years old. Zia Zhoe Tan, 49. Dayu Fang, 44. Paul Michaels, 54. Elsius Hernandez Ortiz, 30. Hyon Grant, 51. Soon Park, 74. Suncha Kim, 69. Yang Yu, 63. So rest in peace to those victims. Um, I do hope that their families find peace after this and the Asian community finds some peace. If any of you listening are interested in donating or looking at charities that are related to the Asian community, specifically this event that took place. You can support Georgia's Asian American community. This was created by Asian Americans Advancing Justice in Atlanta to directly benefit the shooting victims and their families. So please go check that out. Um, they do have a website. You guys can do a quick Google search. You should be able to find that very quickly and donate if you're able to. Um, I do encourage you to donate if you are able to to help these victims and their families get through this time as well as the Asian community. So the next thing that I wanted to talk about is something that um, unfortunately hit a little too close to home for me this time. The Boulder King Super shooting. Yeah, I, I actually was off of work this day because I was not feeling well. And this happened in the afternoon and I did not hear about it until that night. And a bunch of my friends and my family from Florida were obviously texting me just trying to make sure that I was okay and I was not around there or around that area at all and guys thankfully Boulder for me it's not it's not far but it's not close so I was you know pretty far away from the area at the time that this happened I was not anywhere close to being involved which I'm super thankful for um, unfortunately there were 10 victims that were not so fortunate. So I do want to tell you guys a little bit about what happened at the King Supers. And this was on March 22nd, just six days after the Atlanta spa shootings. Um, so for those of you that, well, first of all, I just want to say I'm getting all of my information from the Denver Post. They posted an article. I think it was like the day, a day or two after this happened. Actually, I have the name of it as well. Hold on one second, guys. I'll get it for you. Okay, yeah, so it's the Denver Post. It was posted two days ago, so on March 27th, and the title of it is 58 Minutes of Terror, How the Boulder King Supers Shooting Unfolded. So this is the article that I'm citing all my information regarding to um, this event that took place. So for those of you that, you know, have never been to Boulder or, like, never been to Colorado in general, this area where this King Supers was was like a pretty pretty popular area like there's a bunch of other stuff over there there's like some shops over there there's like a coffee shop that's over there um so for those of you in the south just think about like 
your Winn-Dixie plazas, how there's like a Winn-Dixie and usually like a nail salon or like a GameStop or like some kind of like random clothing store or your Publix like areas. That's basically what it was just with a King Supers rather than what you um, Southern people are used to. <laughs> so this happened about 2.30 p.m. Again, around the same time that this Atlanta spa shootings happened, right around the same time. And it's just, <sighs> I don't know, that's weird. Like, they happen six days apart, like, at the same time. Like, I don't fucking know. I don't I don't know what I'm trying to say. That just gives me bad feelings. That gives me bad vibes. That's what I'm trying to say. So, 2.30 p.m., Amada Lissa kills 10 people at the King Supers, basically all within an hour, and terrorizes the rest of the store. He was in there a total of 58 minutes from the time that he walked in. Or through the, from the time that he was basically walking through the parking lot and shot his first victim to the time that police apprehended him and brought him out. He was in there 58 minutes total. 10 people killed in 58 minutes. 10. So Amada Lissa, he starts in the parking lot and he makes his way inside. And he, I think, killed two people outside and the rest inside. Yeah, you guys are able to read this denver post article for detail for detail because it literally goes in like minute for minute as to what he did from like the second he was in the parking lot to the second police apprehended him and it's it's pretty fucked up i will give you a heads up um apparently the dude was walking around the store fucking laughing while he was doing this like a fucking maniac um yeah i don't know i mean i'm i'm obviously sure that there was like some mental health issues there of course but i was just reading this article with like survivors that were hiding in like cabinets at the grocery store and they were like just fearfully like hoping that this dude wouldn't walk over and like open up the cabinet and like shoot them and they just really did not think that they were going to live like every time they heard him come closer they just thought like this is it like this is where I die and they had to come to peace with the fact that they were going to fucking die in 58 minutes they came to peace with this, that they were going to die because that is how terrified they were and that is how done they were mentally with that. And I just, that's so fucking awful. But yeah, apparently he was laughing. And then apparently when police um, were trying to apprehend him, he was laughing and telling police that he was naked and that they could come on and come arrest him. So definitely I encourage you guys to check out the article for every detail. I might one day talk about it overall on the podcast as a full episode, but as for right now, it's still being investigated, of course, and there's still a lot more information to come out pertaining to that. So I just want to let investigators do their job at this point, and when there's more information released on that, then we will discuss it. But as for right now, I just want to talk to you guys about the victims and, of course, mention them again, um, as I did with the Atlanta spa shootings. Sorry if I sound weird. This just kind of, like, stresses me out that both of these happened within, like, six days. So I just feel like my chest just feels kind of heavy talking about this. Like, I have, like, shortness of breath almost. Like, it's not funny, but I'm, I'm trying to laugh to make myself feel better. Okay, so victims in the Boulder shooting, we had Officer Eric Talley, who was 51 years old. He was first on the scene, they said, and went inside the King Supers within 30 seconds of arrival. Ricky Olds, 25, a manager at King Supers. Terry Weaker, 51, an employee at King Supers. Denny Stong, 20, an employee at King Supers. 
And also Denny's mom worked at King Supers as well, but she actually survived the attack. And in the article, um, it actually mentions her sitting on the bus afterwards, like just looking around for her son and wondering where he was. And nobody knew at that point, like who had passed away and who had made it. And that it was just, you know, a really awful scene to see her on the bus that frantic about her young son. Suzanne Fountain, 59, a customer. Trelona Barkowit, 49, customer killed in the parking lot. He shot her while she was still in her car. Nevin Sansik, 23. He was actually fixing the espresso machine at the Starbucks inside the store that day. Lynn Murray, who was an Instacart shopper inside the store that day, just picking up an order. Jody Waters, 65, who was a customer inside the store that day, but she's actually owned clothing stores in Denver and Boulder for, for over 23 years. And Kevin Mahoney, 61, also a customer inside the store that day. And in the article, it talks about Kevin's daughter just recently being married and how he walked her down the aisle and how it was just this happy moment for the entire family. So I wanted to do a charity donation here. Again, for those who are able to donate, please check out this charity organization. They're going to be helping and supporting victims and families from the Boulder shooting that just happened. It's called the Colorado Healing Funding Group. So please Google them, check out their website, donate if you can to either one of these organizations or both if you can so that we can try and help out these victims and their families at this time. So yeah, guys, those are two events that obviously happened within the last week that have just been all over the news, all over social media. I definitely felt like they were important to discuss. Um, so that is the information that I'm going to be discussing about them for right now until more information is released regarding both of them. But please check out both of those articles I cited. Check out the organizations and the charities. Go donate to them if you can. Yeah. I guess that is all that we're going to talk about pertaining to those two things. It's so awful that that happened, and I think that we all understand what needs to happen with the gun laws. We don't really need to go too far into detail with that, but <sighs> yeah. Well, we're going to take a break there, and we will jump back into the case right when we come back from this. Before we jump into the case, there were a few things additionally that I did want to talk to you guys about, but I didn't want to do it in that same segment, obviously, with the shootings. Didn't feel quite right. So for those of you who have not checked out the suspect website yet, please go do so. There are now four different things that you guys can purchase on there. A short sleeve shirt, you can do standard cut or v-neck cut, whichever you prefer. Same thing with the long sleeve, standard or v-neck. Um, there's also stickers on there, and I just added beanies, and the beanies are in multiple different colors, and I actually am shipping out my first one tomorrow. Shout out to my mom's ex-husband, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm shipping out the first one tomorrow, and it's actually so cute. I'm not being biased. So I uploaded those pictures onto the website as well, so be sure to go check those out. Get yourself a nice beanie for the summer months that are coming up. <laughs> um, if you're anywhere like me and you live in a state where it's 75 one day and then it bucking snows the next get yourself a beanie a suspect beanie so again that's suspectpodcast.com and for anybody listening if you use the code sus sus you're going to get 10 percent off of anything on the website your entire purchase so please make sure you go get that 10 percent off 
I'm going to leave that 10% up until the end of this week. So today is 29th, the Monday. So 29th, the Monday. What? Today is the 29th, Monday. So by the end of this week, that will be cut off the website and the 10% will no longer be available. So please make sure that you take advantage of that. 10% goes a long way. 10% is better than 0%. Am I right, ladies? Am I right? For anybody who's purchased merch or has already received it or has it on the way, when you guys do receive your merch, please take pictures in it, tag my personal Instagram in it, tag the Suspect Podcast Instagram. I really just want more and more pictures of, you know, you guys wearing your merchandise so, you know, people can see how cute they are. I don't really know. They're so cute. I'm not even... I'm not even trying to lie to you guys. I wear them. I'm going to make myself a beanie, I think, like a pink beanie. I think that would be a whole vibe. So, yes, check out the website, check out the merch, check out the Instagram, at Suspect Podcast. I'm always going to be posting about different cases on there, anything new that's on the website, any kind of discount codes that you guys are able to use on the website. It's all going to be on the Instagram and as well, I'm sure you guys are probably tired of hearing me say this, but there is going to be a giveaway. I'm not lying about that. The issue is that the cup is being custom made, so I just have to wait for that to be done. And I'm not going to rush her because I know that she does quality work and I want you guys to have a quality item. So please be patient. I promise that the giveaway is coming, but you have to be following the Instagram to be eligible for the giveaway. It is going to be randomly selected through the Instagram followers, so make sure you're following that if you want a cool little Yeti cup with the suspect logo and maybe some blood on it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what Cheryl comes up with. I trust her. Also, if you're listening and you haven't left a review or rated suspect on Apple Podcast, please go do that. Apple Podcast is like I don't even know how to describe it. It's like the number one platform for podcasts. So if you do really well on Apple Podcasts, they push your stuff more out, like analytic-wise. So if you guys can leave a rate and a review, it literally takes two seconds. And I hope it's five stars. I would love for it to be five stars. And I actually really enjoy reading your guys' reviews. It really makes my day. Um, so please, yeah, go do that. It literally takes like two seconds, and I would love you forever. So let's go ahead and jump into the case. Okay, guys, today, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about the Rose Petal murder. So don't know if you're familiar with it. Might be, might not. Let's jump into it and you can tell me. How about that? So we're going to be talking about Kristen Rosam today. So Kristen grows up in Claremont, California. She's the oldest child of Ralph and Constance Rossum. Her father is a professor at Claremont McKenna College, and her mom worked at Azusa Pacific University. Kristen has two brothers. In 1991, after Kristen's father accepted the position of president of Hamden Sydney College, the family moved to Virginia, and Kristen enrolled at an all-girls St. Catherine's School in Richmond. There, Kristen began drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. She also tried marijuana, but she said that it had little effect on her. So starting in 1992, she says, fuck the marijuana, and she just goes straight to meth, baby. She says, fuck everything else. I tried weed. That's not good enough for me. Where's the meth? I need the meth. 
oh my fucking God. I just like, where do you have to be mentally to go from marijuana to meth, like automatically? Like you skipped literally everything else in between. I want to know where you're at mentally. Like I'm very curious and confused. In 1994, Kristen moves back to California, and she enrolls part-time at the University of Redlands, and she moves into a dorm on campus, but she eventually leaves following a relapse. After overcoming her addiction and beginning her relationship with Greg DeVillers, Kristen enrolls at San Diego State University, and she graduates with honors in 1998, which is like, okay, Kristen, go ahead. I see you 360. We love to see it, girl. We love a 360. After graduating, Kristen works as a toxologist at the San Diego County Medical Examiner's Office. Kristen and Greg get married in 1999. That following year in 2000, Kristen begins having an affair with her boss, Dr. Michael Robertson. This might be a stereotype for me, but like Michaels are just bad news, like in my mind. Like I've never I've never met a Michael that hasn't rubbed me the wrong way, I feel like. I don't know, maybe it's just me, maybe I'm just stereotyping Michaels. Okay, so in late 2000, Greg learns about the affair, and he also learns about Kristen relapsing on her meth habit. So he threatens to basically expose her and Dr. Michael to the head chief medical examiner if she did not quit her job immediately. On November 6, 2000, just after 9.15 p.m., Kristen dials 911 and she reports that Greg had committed suicide. Paramedics found him lying unresponsive on the couple's bed, which was sprinkled with red rose petals. He was pronounced dead on arrival at the hospital. Which is like, already this is fishy because, I'm sorry, so you mean to tell me that this grown-ass man sprinkled red rose petals on his bed and then committed suicide. Like, what kind of Romeo and Juliet weird shit would that be? I don't know. That just doesn't make sense. Like, that already... Come on. Come on, Kristen. So Kristen tells authorities that he committed suicide. Despite her claims, Greg's family, especially his older brother, Jerome, were adamant that he was not suicidal. However, San Diego police were initially reluctant to open an investigation at all. A month after Greg's death, Kristen and Michael Robertson were both fired from the medical examiner's office. Kristen for hiding her meth habit and Michael Robertson for hiding his knowledge of her habit and the affair. Due to potential conflicts of interest, the San Diego medical examiner outsourced Greg's autopsy to an outside lab in Los Angeles. The test showed Greg had seven times, seven times, the lethal dose of fentanyl in his system. Two weeks after her husband's death, Kristen was interrogated by the police. She basically tells the detective that her husband had been very, very depressed before he died. Kristen's father stated that he seemed to be deeply distressed and that he drank wine and gin heavily that night. In a television interview months after Greg's death, Kristen stated, He was making a big deal of the last row standing. I think he was just making a statement that he knew our relationship was over. Which is just like, Kristen, come on. Can you, if you're going to do this, like, do it, lie better. Like, I don't, this is just seems so, like, like, she didn't even really think this through to me. Like, it was just a last-minute thing that, oh, mm, mm, fentanyl, fentanyl, dead, dead. Now what do I do? Like, I don't know. I just don't think that Kristen was thinking very clearly at all. Well, clearly she wasn't because she fucking laced her husband. 
So the day of his death, Kristen had telephoned to his work office and told his employers that he would not be coming into work that day. While the investigation continued, police learned that Kristen had relapsed and was using meth again. On June 25th, 2001, seven months after Greg's death, Kristen was arrested and charged with murder. Her parents posted her $1.25 million bail and picked her up from the San Diego jail. Which is just like $1.25 million and they posted that? If I ever called my parents from jail, they'd be like, absolutely not. Fuck you. What did you do? Like, you got yourself into this situation. They would never, like... Oh my goodness. Some people will literally do anything. Like I get doing anything for your children, but when your children have murdered somebody, murdered their husband for no reason. Oh my gosh. The prosecution contended that Kristen Rossum killed her husband to keep him from telling her bosses that she was having an affair with the chief toxologist, Michael Robertson, and that she was using meth that she stole from the coroner's lab. Defense attorneys argued that Greg was suicidal and poisoned himself. Kristen's brother-in-law, Jerome DeVillers, testified that it was difficult to believe that his brother had committed suicide because he hated drugs. The 911 tape played in the court appeared to indicate Kristen was administering CPR to her husband. According to her Vaughn's card history, she had purchased the rose that was used to stage Greg's body which prosecutors claimed was copied from a scene in the 1999 film American Beauty. On November 12, 2002, Kristen was found guilty of first-degree murder. On December 12, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility for parole and a $10,000 fine. She was transferred to the Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla, the largest women's correctional facility in the U.S., in 2006, Greg's family sues Kristen and San Diego County in a wrongful death suit. On March 25, 2006, a San Diego jury ordered Kristen to pay more than $100 million in damages. San Diego County was ordered to pay $1.5 million. Family had originally asked for $50 million in damages against Kristen, but jurors awarded double that money after estimating that Kristen could have made $60 million from selling the rights to her story. John Gomez, the lawyer for the DeVillers family, said that the damages may have been the most ever assessed against an individual defendant in California history. He also acknowledged that the family may never see the money, but wanted to make sure Kristen does not profit from her crime. A judge later reduces the damages award to $10 million, but allows the $4.5 million award to stand. In September 2010, a three-judge panel of the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals that Kristen's lawyers should have challenged the prosecution's assertion by doing its own test that she poisoned her husband with fentanyl. The panel ordered a San Diego federal court to hold a hearing into whether the defense's error could have affected the trial's outcome. This is my favorite paragraph out of the entire fucking thing that I took. On September 13, 2011, the U.S. Court of Appeals withdrew its opinion and replaced it with a one-paragraph statement that under a new Supreme Court precedent, Kristen's petition was denied. Round of applause for the Supreme Court here. Round of applause. F 
following his termination by the San Diego's medical by the San Diego Medical Examiner's Office, Michael returned to his home in Brisbane, Australia, supposedly to care for his ailing mother. In September 2013, the San Diego Reader reported that in 2006, prosecutors secretly filed a criminal complaint charging Michael, who was named as an unindicted co-conspirator at Christian's trial, with one count of conspiracy to obstruct justice. If the Australian government elects to extradite Michael, or if he voluntarily returns to the U.S., he could face up to three years in prison. As of 2014, Robertson is running a forensic consulting service in Brisbane, Australia. Whew, wow, guys, I feel like I'm just like spitting out these facts here, you know? So the last fun little fact I have about this case, you know, how fun this case was. Kristen was featured in episodes of true crime documentary series such as Oxygen, Oxygen's true crime series, Snapped, Ease, Women Who Kill, True TV's The Investigators, in Investigation Discoveries, Deadly Women, How Not to Kill Your Husband, and 50 Ways to Kill Your Lover. Her story was also featured on news magazines such as CBS 48 Hours. And that is the story of the Rose Petal Murder. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. But yeah, if you guys look up that movie, the 1999 film that they were saying, let me get that name for you guys again. Hold on one second. Whatever. It was like American Beauty or whatever. But yeah, if you guys look up that movie, she really did like copy that. Like, it literally copied like the exact thing just to kill her husband. Like, pretty crazy. But yeah, you guys can look up any more information on this case. Look up some pictures of Kristen and... Um, her husband I'll post them up on the Instagram so you guys can kind of have a visual of what she looks like and her husband looks like and any other crazy pictures I find that I think you guys might find interesting also I'm going to post some suspect beanies on the page as well linked with today's episode so that you guys are able you know to see what I'm talking about so yeah you guys go watch some of those um those documentaries I mentioned, I'm honestly a really big fan of Deadly Women. I used to watch that with my brother a lot growing up. Snapped, Snapped's so good. They, I think they do like three different stories for Snapped and Deadly Women per episode. So, um, and they're all real stories. So definitely go watch those, but go watch Kristen's and tell me what you guys think. Um, so I don't know if you guys saw, but Netflix is going to be releasing a new like documentary series on Jeffrey Dahmer. But, but, one, Ryan Murphy is the writer, producer, and director of this series. And for those of you who don't know who Ryan Murphy is by name, think American Horror Story. Yes, that is what we are going to be getting with this Jeffrey Dahmer series. I'm so stoked about it. But not only that, two, they're fucking casting Evan Peters as Jeffrey Dahmer what how perfect could this be we have ryan murphy writing the documentary series and evan peters starring in it oh my fucking god i'm literally so stoked just because i know ryan is such a great writer and evan has such a way of like i don't know just portraying like these creepy ass roles like we've seen him in american horror story as like you know the school shooter and like the cult leader like he can literally adapt to any fucking role that he's given so i'm really excited to see how he does this and i'm excited to see how ryan murphy writes the series i think that is going to be just 
very well put together. I don't think that there's a release date on it yet, so you guys keep an eye out for that. And if they do put a um, release date out, send that over to me <laughs> so I know. So I know what I can do um, on my next weekend whenever that comes out. Binge the shit out of that. That's what I'm going to do. Well, thank you guys for tuning in for another episode of Suspect. Sorry if this episode felt kind of random. I just wanted to make sure, you know, that we talked about the Boulder shooting and the Atlanta shootings and then still had a case for you guys. Sorry if that case was kind of quick and to the point, but yeah, hopefully we should have Sam Little later this week. And I am really looking forward to sharing that with you guys and diving into the case. So again, please make sure that you go donate to those charities if you can. Go check out suspectpodcast.com. Use SUS SUS for 10% off until the end of this week. Go leave a review. Share this podcast with a friend. Rate it on iTunes. You know what I mean. I feel like I should just like record what I'm saying and like put it in every episode so I don't have to repeat myself every time. But I don't know. Maybe it's also more fun to repeat myself. So yeah, go do all that stuff, guys. Please, 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 please share this podcast with like four of your friends this week. Just four random people. Even if it's your grandma. If your grandma likes true crime, send her my podcast. I know that there's some grandmas listening because the babies that I nanny, their grandmas listen to me. So shout out to them. <laughs> yeah, share it with your grandmas, your aunts, your friends, whoever. Just get it out. Let's grow suspect this year, guys. 2021. Let's blow suspect up. Let's put it on the same level as my favorite murder. No, I'm just kidding. It probably, um, that would be amazing. But yeah, we'll see. We're just going to keep striving. We're going to keep pushing this podcast, keep striving to always educate ourselves and be kind to people. You can be anything in this world. So be kind, literally be kind to people. It's so easy. Well, until next week, guys, or... I guess I should say until later this week when I drop the second episode. Thank you for listening. I love you all very, very dearly. And I hope that everybody is staying healthy and being nice to people. And hopefully we're almost out of this COVID shit, you guys. I'm I'm fucking tired of it. Like, I'm ready to have a hot girl summer. <laughs> I don't even know what that feels like anymore. I haven't looked forward to like summer since I was in school and now I'm looking forward to summer with no COVID like I feel like I just need a vacation from COVID that's what I need <laughs>